Chapter 20 from the Easy Chair, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brianna. From Easy Chair, Volume 2 by George William Curtis. Chapter 20 the pharisee there is no more beautiful and impressive passage in the new testament than that which contrasts the pharisee thanking god that he is not as other men are and the publican who asks mercy as a sinner but there is no passage also which has been more ingeniously perverted and is exceedingly amusing to hear jeremy diddle or robert Macker or Dick Turpin, railing at honest and industrious men as Pharisees because they prefer honesty and industry to knavery. The taste for honesty and sobriety seems natural and simple enough, and the qualities themselves quite as valuable as those of Diddle or even Jonathan Wilde the Great. But Jonathan will have none of them they are pharisaic impertinences they are impracticable and visionary speculations which assume heaven while yet we stand upon the green earth and mr wilde who assures us that he does not desire to pass himself off as better than other men declares with the noble candor which distinguishes him that simple downright dishonest is good enough for him he does not indeed choose that precise word but he conveys that precise idea it's a good trick and it is generally sure of applause but it is only another version of a familiar maxim that when you have no argument you must abuse of plaintiff's attorney as a matter of fact your client did steal the handkerchief or forge the name or fire the barn but i ask you gentlemen of the jury you may well say and i appeal to all good citizens is not this ostentation of superior virtue this fine air of moral indignation toward my client simply because he happened to slip his hand into the wrong pocket a little suspicious are we angels I ask your honor in this word-a-day world the celestial seat and the mount of vision, and is a man so very much better than his fellows merely because he rolls up his sanctimonious eyes with the Pharisee and thanks God that he is holier than other men? Nay, gentlemen, have we not in the sublime and immortal parable a divine warning against this pharisaism which denounces the slides and slips of our common frail humanity i ask you gentlemen by your verdict not to place a premium upon that most odious and repulsive arrogancies pharisaism but it is upon the political platform that jibes and sneers at pharisaism are intended to be most stinging the honorable jonathan wilde the great comes out strong 
as his henchmen truly declare against his political opponents. With one vast comprehensive sneer, he brands them as Pharisees, as if he were snorting, consuming fire. It is not surprising, because they have had their eye upon Jonathan. They have seen him in bad company. They have caught him conveying public treasure. They know all about him, and he knows they know all about him. He called himself Tweed, and he made a mesh of statues to legalize robbery. But how good he was to the poor! How he distributed coal to the chili! How he planted pinks and daisies in the city hall park, and made the battery to bloom as the rose! How he received wedding gifts for his daughter from our best citizens, and how generously they subscribed to erect his statue to commemorate that bright flower of the state. And now a sneaking, mousing gang of would-be archangels prayed about common honesty and demand that public hands shall be clean hands. Fellow citizens, Jonathan Wilde is a man of the people. He doesn't pretend to be higher and purer and better than other men. He didn't graduate at college. Indeed, he never read the Iliad in the original Greek. No, fellow citizens, there is no cambric handkerchief and all the cologne about him. He's just one of the boys. He whoops it up with the plain people. And thank God, whatever he is, he is not a Pharisee. The argument is ingenious. It does not deny that he is a thief. It only insists that those who assert it are Pharisees. And Pharisees are so odious that it is much better to scoff at them than to punish Mr. Wilde. There was a good old countryman who had been early taught to take men as they are, which means to consider them liars and rascals. One day, a neighbor remarked to him that he thought that the old man had lost the money with which he bought voters, because he said, while they take your money, the other side take their votes. The deuce they do, said the old countryman. Yes, said the other. And you will find in the long run that political honesty is the best political policy. You think so, do you? was the reply. Well, do you know that you are a blanket metaphysical Pharisee? It is obvious that when the advocacy of common honesty in any relation of life is savagely and scornfully decried as Phariseeism, it is because somebody's withers and wrong. It is a plea of guilty. It is the cry of squeezes when the picture of Dudaboy's hall was displayed to the world. I didn't do it. If a man demands honesty in politics, and it is retort, you are a Pharisee, it is because the dishonesty cannot be denied or disproved, 
and the retort is therefore a summons to all honest men to look out for thieves to the right the demand for decency is to concede that anything but indecency is impracticable if it be only pharisees who insist that sugar shall not be sanded that milk shall not be swill-fed that coffee shall not be chicory that nutmegs shall not be wood that cloth shall not be shoddy that employees of the government shall not be forced to pay for their places that public officers shall be honest and that government shall not be venal it is pleasant to think how many intelligent upright industrials and practical americans are pharisaical End of chapter 20